Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Fan Early Morning Show on a Thursday in the beginning of August. Says a football on the calendar, officially back on TV. I'm Austin Bechtold with you as the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns will battle it out in one of the best weekends in all of football hall of fame weekend in canton ohio jets browns won't see Aaron Rodgers, but we'll get to see zach wilson as the jets are favored in the game at tom benson hall of fame stadium a lot of football talk coming up today but i want to first start with the pirates after the trading deadline on tuesday my first chance to be able to react to Everything that went down for the Buccos, trading Austin Hedges to the Texas Rangers for international bonus money, which I found a little bit funny just because it seemed like there were reports that four teams, maybe even five teams, were interested in acquiring the veteran backstop who does, and we got to give Austin Hedges credit, he does have a very, very solid ability to pitch frame that might come with batting 170. If it was like softball and he can be a, there could be a designated player and somebody hit for Austin Hedges, that would have been a lot more preferred than having him have to bat ninth and not be able to turn the lineup around at all compared to some of the players that the Pirates have been able to put in that position afterwards. Now, it's still mostly been if Jason DeLay is in there, he'll be the one that does the catching and bat ninth, who was recalled after Hedges was traded away, but... It was basically a bidding war for international bonus money. And the Pirates have been aggressive on the international market. They've signed... So one thing that did not happen very much in the Neil Huntington era that has happened a fair amount in Ben Charrington's regime is that the team is not afraid to be aggressive in signing who MLB Pipeline considers to be one of the top 30 international draft pro, international prospects. There is no international draft. There is no way to be able to sort through the players that are coming over to different organizations in the international market. It's basically who is willing to spend the most money on different players. And the Pirates have been aggressive. They've signed Tony Blanco. They signed a couple of other pitchers to deals, Christopher Cruz being one of them, that are guys in the top 15, guys in the top 20, even in the top 25. And that includes Johnny Severino, who the Brewers signed, in the 2022 international signing period, he was the number 21 
ranked prospect by MLB Pipeline, Jonathan Mayo, Jim Callis, and company, that the Pirates have been trying to sort out and trying to sign. I mean, these are also 16, 17, 18-year-old kids who you're basically considering to be lottery tickets at this point. You don't know what you're going to get, but it's basically like trying to draft a young high school player, but these guys are a little bit less proven and a little bit less seen on just the overall national baseball circuit in terms of perfect game, All-America circuit, stuff like that. So I don't really have a problem with Austin Hedges being traded for international bonus money. I just think it was kind of hilarious that the Pirates were basically having a bidding war for who will give them the most bonus money. The Rich Hill and G-Man Choi deal kind of caught me off guard. Not that they got traded. That was going to be way expected. Now, there were some rumors and thoughts that G-Man Choi would not be traded away from the Pirates just because who is going to play at first base? Connor Joe, an outfielder by trade, has started to take some cracks at first base. It's gone okay so far. Joe led off for the Pirates yesterday in a 6-3 loss. Ended up getting on base twice, had a hit and four at-bats, also walked. He's hitting 243, 746 OPS against Eduardo Rodriguez, who nixed a trade to the Los Angeles Dodgers and basically said, look, I want to be closer to my family. I want to stay pretty much in the central part of the United States northern part of the country. He did not want to be in sunny Southern California on a contender. And he has a chance to be able to opt out of his deal anyway. It's only a couple months. You have August, September, and the Dodgers will likely be playing into October. So you're talking about two and a half months that you're going to be spending in one of the places that has the best weather of anywhere in the country. One of the best teams in the country, one of the best rotations in the country, and a team that consistently makes the playoffs here in and here out every single season. And yeah, the Dodgers have a shot at winning that division once again. Arizona has started to fall back into really being a middle-of-the-road team again. Corbin Carroll's fantastic. He should be Rookie of the Year. Will Arizona viably have a shot to win that division? Not at this point. Can they still win a wild card? I think so. They traded Andrew Chafin away. Arizona didn't do really much of anything inspiring in terms of acquiring key type of players at the deadline to make you think that they're really going to make a run at this. But it might be what's like what Cincinnati did in Arizona, and they're going to try to stand pat, hold on to their young talent, their young core, which has gotten them to this point, and just kind of ride it out and say, hey, we'll get a peripheral, a peripheral piece, just somebody small to be able to surround you with, try to help you out a little bit, but hey, you got us here, you take us there to the playoffs. And that's what the mentality has got to be for the Pirates the rest of the season. Now, Rich Hill said that literally an hour or so after he was traded, maybe even mere moments, that he believes that this team has a chance to be able to do some damage this year. Now, is that actually the honest truth about the matter? Probably not. I think we all agreed. It's not, and then the Pirates are in no position to be able to make the playoffs this year. Currently still 11 games under 500. But what I do want to see is improvement. Vast improvement. Rich Hill is no longer on this roster. The Pirates also traded away 
Rodolfo Castro to the Philadelphia Phillies. If there was any head-scratching trade, it was that one. And not so much that they dealt Castro. It was the fact that, huh, okay, I kind of get it. What spot does he have on this team moving forward? He's a 24-year-old switch-hitting second baseman who can't bat left-handed. Rodolfo Castro, and as you know in baseball, switch hitters, the majority of the time, you're going to face a right-handed pitcher. So you're going to be batted left-handed. And Rodolfo Castro could not hit from the left side of the plate. How does that make any sense whatsoever? A switch hitter who cannot bat left-handed. He was playing exclusively against left-handers, batting from the right side, where he did have some solid success. But if you're a switch hitter and you're platooning basically as a left-handed guy, as a right-handed bat against left-handers, there's not that much of a spot for you. When you have Nick Gonzalez at second, when you have Leovo Paguero, who has looked really solid so far in the middle of the infield, there's not much that you can do at this point to truly consider that Rodolfo Castro would be a member of this team. So they traded him to the Philadelphia Phillies, ended up getting a left-handed pitcher. Falter is his last name. 0-7 with the Phillies this year, not great. But it seems like the Pirates like the upside. Ben Charrington said that they've been following him for the last couple of years. They like what he can bring to the table. But this is all about what the kids bring. Rich Hill and G-Man Choi being traded away to San Diego for a package that included who is now the 17th overall prospect in the Pirates system, Jackson Wolf, a left-hander who made his major league debut earlier this year. Pitched five innings, gave up three runs, six hits. Only had one strikeout in that game for San Diego. That was earlier in July. He has pitched primarily in double-A this season to the tune of a 480 ERA in 18 games, 88 in the third innings pitched. He does have 105 strikeouts, 22 walks in those 88 innings. And that's something that really could be, I don't know if inspiring is the right word, but... It makes you think, okay, about what the Pirates got back in that return. Look, Rich Hill was 43. G-Man Choi played 23 games with the Pirates. And if it wasn't for G-Man Choi coming back and being on an absolute tear and raising his batting average up what seems like 100 points, would the Pirates have been able to get this deal done where, yes, San Diego's farm system has been depleted over the last couple of years with trades of Juan Soto, Josh Hader, that... How much is the value of a middle-tier prospect in their system? Well, Jackson Wolf seems okay. He pitched at WVU. The Pirates said that Ben Sherrington said he did not get to lay eyes on him, but members of the organization did when he was a Mountaineer. And just overall for the Pirates, you're turning it over to the young guys, which was the case in the middle of July already. And there's been a little bit of ups and downs, but you're able to take two out of three from Philadelphia. The split against Detroit is, I think, more so against more so the pitcher that you went up against and Eduardo Rodriguez. And let's get his Waldo Beto out of here. Back to AAA. Put him in the bullpen. I don't care. I don't want to see any more Beto. There's nothing inspiring about him. There's nothing that makes you think he can be an MLB starter at all. I mean, what do you see from his Waldo Beto that truly makes you believe he can stick in this rotation as a five? 
I mean, that's it. That's his ceiling. He's a 4A player. There's nothing that I really like from Beto other than his breaking pitch. And I just do not think that the Pirates should be deploying him out there every day. It should be Luis Ortiz. But Luis Ortiz is also not ready. He has to earn it, Ben Sherrington said. And he is not in AAA. He's been so up and down. He'll allow four runs. He'll allow five runs. Then he'll come back and go six innings of two-run ball. Five innings of two-run ball. Luis Ortiz has not done anything consistently to earn a spot back in the major leagues. Neither has Rolandi Contreras, who has basically been banished to the abyss. Where is Rolandi? He's in Florida trying to make things work. Maybe he's working with Paul Skeens. Hope Paul Skeens doesn't take any advice from Rolandi Contreras. Don't want his fastball to decrease by three miles an hour. Maybe Paul Skeens can get Rowanzi Contreras back to throwing 95, 96 miles an hour instead of throwing 92, 93, which is a significant reason why he became a shell of himself on the mound this year. I like Lyova Pagaro. You should stick him at second base or shortstop throughout the remainder of the season. It appears that O'Neill Cruz is a little bit later into the recovery process than what a lot of people originally anticipated or what a lot of people anticipated at first that he would be back in the start of August, the middle of August. Now, September is more so when he can be back. And the only reason you bring back O'Neill Cruz, not so much that he can work with some of these younger guys, I wouldn't call that overrated, but it doesn't seem like that is really why you would bring a player back at this point when you're going to be completely out of the race. It's just that you get him at bats so that this is not a complete lost year. And a lot of people have talked about, well, well, why don't you just shut him down? Why don't you just not have him play at all? Because there's a lot of value in having O'Neill Cruz come back and still be able to hit. Not so much to the guys around them and to the Pirates being able to win football games, to the, to the Pirates being able to win baseball games, as we are clearly getting into football season with the Hall of Fame game tonight. But it's all about... O'Neill Cruz being able to just get back into the thick of it and get a chance to just remain on the field. Why not? Why not give him a month to be able to just resume baseball activities and play well? The Pirates did it with David Bednar at the end of the year last year. He did battle some issues, some back issues, but the Pirates brought him back, let him pitch, and he has been, arguably, the best closer in baseball this year. Plus, if the Pirates are going to try to negotiate a long-term contract with O'Neill Cruz, why not be able to get some more at-bats in there to see what you got? I think you, the Pirates somewhat know what they have. But really, do they? He hasn't played that much. Brian Reynolds had three hits yesterday. Andrew McCutcheon with three hits yesterday. That's always great to see. Also drove in a run on base four times, including a walk. Henry Davis walked twice, had an RBI. 0 for 3. 0 for 4 for Key Brian Hayes, also drove in a run. Jack Sawinski struck out three times, and that's just one of my gripes with Jack Sawinski. He strikes out way too much, but his OPS is by far the best on the team at 831 for those qualified. Layover Perguero in limited at-bats, 907. Alika Williams got a hit in the game. He struggled early on, but now he's hitting 250 in limited at-bats as well. And then Jason DeLay, who is a part of a three-catcher rotation, it seems like at this point. With Andy Rodriguez as the primary catcher. Henry Davis, it appears, is going to start getting some time behind the dish, which I'm excited about. It's going to be 
cool to see Davis really just get some time to catch. He's only caught one inning. And it'll be Jason DeLay basically trying to mentor mold those guys as the Pirates played Austin Hedges so much practically just to see what they could get for him and to get international bonus money instead of just DFAing him. I'll take it. Jason Mackey on the Fan Morning Show yesterday talked about Mitch Keller and how the Pirates did not trade him, did not trade David Bednar. Keller has a couple years left on his contract before he's a free agent. There was a report out of L.A. that it was not yet known if this was really something that everybody knew from a Dodgers insider on Sports Talk Radio in L.A. that the Pirates lowballed Mitch Keller and that he wasn't very happy about the deal and that the Pirates were exploring offers for him. Now, is that really the truth? I don't know. Is that just the Dodgers just being the Dodgers and fishing for any type of player that they can? And if there's a rumor out there, try to throw it against the wall, see if it sticks. Jason Mackey on Mitch Keller. Keller wants to be here. The Pirates want him here. Well, that seems apparent. You didn't trade him. And Mitch has continuously stated that he likes being a member of the Pirates. Plus, if he can be your number two behind Paul Skeens and the guy in between Skeens and ideally Quinn Priester, who's looked okay despite an ERA of uh, about eight in three, four starts regarding Keller. It makes sense. Between now and the end of the regular season, it would make a lot of sense for them to agree to a contract. If that's the case, the Pirates should just not wait until what seems like the next logical time to get a deal done, which is the winter meetings. And one reason why I say that is the Pirates are an organization that pride themselves, that it's a big reason why they've been able to keep Brian Reynolds and keep Brian Hayes on signing young players when they are young, when they are inexpensive, when they are a little bit cheap. They did that with Brian Hayes. Has he lived up to it so far? No. Has Brian Reynolds lived up to it so far in a couple of months? He had a great April. That's right around when he signed the deal. How good has Brian Reynolds been after that? He was hurt for a little bit of time. But, I mean, Reynolds has not been that offensive catalyst that you hope he would have been. He was okay with runners in scoring position to begin. He was hitting 300 at one point in one stretch. Now he's way under 200. And it's not going very well. But back to Keller. You need guys in the top of your rotation. If you truly believe you can compete in 2024, the trading Mitch Keller would make absolutely no sense, and it would have shown the narrative that the Pirates don't believe that they're close. And the Pirates need to show that they're close if they truly imagine that Nick Gonzalez can be the everyday second baseman, Leova Peguero can factor in in the infield. Someone's got to play first base. One of the guys, Rivas, that the Buccos acquired from San Diego in the Rich Hill G-Man Choi trade, Played with the Cubs about 100 games last season. He'll be a guy that seemingly will platoon with Connor Joe at first base, a left-handed bat, Joe at righty. And that those are the guys they're looking at at first base. But who knows? Jared Triolo could move over to first base. Maybe Leova Pagaro could move over to first base. It's likely that a young guy is going to move over to that position unless the Pirates decide to be aggressive in free agency with a first baseman and not just sign a guy. Sign an actual player because you're paying your guys on the roster nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
So Mitch Keller needs to be on this team. David Bednar needs to be on this team. Mitch Keller has to be the anchor of the rotation right now, especially with Paul Skeen's not here yet and likely not here until June or July of 24. So a deal with Mitch Keller makes sense as long as you sign the guy that can give you a 350 ERA and not a 5 ERA. He was very poor in July. Did bounce back against the Phillies, even though it ended up being a 2-1 to loss last Friday. But Mitch Keller needs to be here. And the Pirates need to pay him, partly because they're not paying anybody else, but because Mitch Keller has shown flashes that he can be that pitcher that you need him to be at the top of the rotation. And if he can just continue to sustain it over these next couple of weeks, over these next two months, when they will be negotiating a contract with him, there should be a good middle ground that they're not paying him as a true number one. And they're not paying him to be a number three or a number four. Coming up next, it's football season. TJ Watt was ranked in the top 100. You knew that was going to be the case. But where did he spot? Where is TJ Watt on the top 100 on the top 100 players list as voted on by the players? Did the players get it right? As a lot of the rankings have shown previously, including Trevor Lawrence rated in the 90s. No, it doesn't seem like the players got this one right at all with TJ Watt. Talk about it next. I'm Austin Bechtold, Fanoy Morning Show, 937 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.